Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Today I'm titling this message, You Can Be a Hero Too, and to keep it where we can go deep enough for today, but yet not extend our messages long, I'm going to put it into two parts, and yet they're both standalone messages, so if you are going to be at the retreat next week, that's okay, you can get that on CD. Those of you that will be with us, you're just going to get an extra slather of of icing on the cake, hopefully that'll be a real blessing to you. As you recall, last week we had our Public Servant Appreciation Sunday and we were blessed by having many that are involved in uh, roles that uh, put them in harm's way as law enforcement people, people in fire safety, ocean safety, and then of course the emergency services people. But, you know, those what we would call heroes. And perhaps if we had an opportunity to pass the microphone around, there'd be many of you that could talk about a hero. And in our mind, we conjure up a thought of a hero being someone who uh, risked their life or maybe even gave their life so that someone else could uh, survive and uh, thrive maybe even. And so in your own mind, you might come up with some of those heroes. I remember as a child, though, I had my set of heroes because I didn't know about real-life heroes, although those heroes I had as a child, to me, were real life. And so let me ask some of you, maybe living in the 50s when you had uh, people like John Wayne and Roy Rogers and Dale Evans, I can remember watching them on television when they would come on Saturday afternoon, and I would plop myself down Indian style in front of TV and I'd have my, my toy six shooters on my hip and I'd have my cowboy hat and I could yippee-yay-yo just like everybody else on that screen. And they was, those were my heroes. And then as I fast-forwarded my life, I then came across other heroes. I remember as I was a younger man, you had A-Team at that time going on and then you had maybe Miami Vice and Rambo and those people. More currently, our kids have heroes. Transformers, I don't know if you've seen that movie. I haven't seen that movie, but I was told that that movie has raked in over $800 million worldwide, that one movie alone. And so whether or not they're heroes, they're sure attracting a lot of attention. But they have others, Spider-Man, Green Hornet, Green Lantern. Those are all popular heroes. And I have been told, although I have not watched this show, that there's an actual television show called Heroes. How many have seen that show, Heroes? Wow, now don't put your hand up. You don't have to do that. It's not bad to watch TV. It's just if it's taking you away from something that's good, then, then, then don't do it. But those are heroes that we have and so we think about those people but isn't it not true that maybe we move away from our television or celluloid type heroes and we can move into the business or the professional or maybe government leaders I think of people like Rudy Giuliani the former mayor of New York City who led that city out of bankruptcy or Lee Iacocca who worked with the uh, Ford Mustang and then Chrysler took him away and put Chrysler back on the map again. And then you had Sarah Palin, and I pick her out as a, probably a present-day woman leader, a hero who took the state of Alaska and brought it into a new era as well. And that's not to mention the plethora of Christian leaders and missionaries and people that have done great things for God. And so we have heroes in that realm as well, not to mention just the ones we had last week that were here. But sometimes we have to look at heroes not being those that make the newspapers or, or maybe lead great causes. These are everyday people. These are the people that perhaps are seated next to you or in front of you or maybe behind you. And I would like to say with all my heart, I believe this, that there could be a hero that's seated in your seat right now. You could be that kind of hero. Because sometimes a hero is not necessarily one who's going to rescue someone from death. In fact, when I looked up the word hero, a very simple definition of it is a person who is celebrated for special achievements and for attributes. 
Well, a special achievement could be someone that just goes a little bit further than where they are to change a life. Or someone with an attribute that could be special is nothing more than having the attribute of Christ, Christ-likeness. And so you could be a hero. But at the same time, I'm finding that people don't uh, look at themselves like that. They sometimes see themselves as a snowflake in the blizzard of humanity and they cease really trying to be different. They just kind of go through life in the daily grind. And maybe some of you don't think that you can achieve more than where you are. Now, I'm not talking about whatever a man's mind can, can conceive, he can then achieve. But I am saying, though, that some of us could stretch ourselves and could be maybe more of a hero than we really are. And the place that we'll do our heroing could be in our marriage, could be in our home, could be in our community, could be in our church, and could be where you work, that you really could be that hero. And perhaps what I'd like to do is to draw your mental focus for the next two weeks on maybe how you could be a hero. But just in case that some of you are thinking, I, I don't know that I could do that. I want to pick out a portion of scripture here. And although I'm attaching the term hero to it, I don't see it scripturally saying that's a hero named and identified. But I don't think that I'm doing a, a much injustice to say that it is a hero. So I'd like to set you up for the scene. And I'd like you to really pay attention through this entire message because I want to build it together. And hopefully at the end, you too would be willing to be the hero that God would want you to be. Well, let me tell you about the story. This is found in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy was the last letter that Paul wrote that was allowed to be found in Scripture. It could be known as Paul's deathbed declaration. And so on his deathbed now, he's writing his last letter that we know of that had scriptural significance. And so out of all the people in his life that he knew, out of all the groups and churches that he started, who did he choose to write to? He chose to write it to what he might call his son in the faith. That guy's name was Tim or Timothy. Now Timothy is an unusual guy himself because we're going to learn what Paul says to this person. He was reared in what we think could be a single family home, perhaps also with a grandmother nearby or in the home, but there was no real visible masculine figure that was godly. We don't know much about it, and I think it would have been mentioned in Scripture if we'd have seen that. We know that Timothy came to faith at a young age because of good parenting by a mother and a grandmother. But it was very soon after that that what happened, Paul came into his life, and as busy as Paul was, chose to mentor Timothy. Now, I don't know if he picked up Timothy so much at 13 or 14, but he did find Timothy at a young enough age where that Timothy could go with him at various places. And we know from not only the writing that we'll see today, but a lot of other places in the New Testament where Paul refers to Timothy and church history, that we do get this capsule of Timothy who is pastoring in the city of Ephesus. That he more than likely was a timid individual. They had a problem with either shyness or maybe he was, um, had a bit of anxiety. We know that it affected him so much that his stomach had some problems. And so usually people that are fearful at times or feel like they can't do it or put into positions that they're not sure they're able to perform, that they have that inside maybe ulcer kind of thing. And I don't want to go as far as ulcer, but I will tell you he had an inside problem there, physical problem. So Paul in his last book, he begins to talk to Timothy and he kind of gently reminds Timothy that, you know, that we have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power from the Lord and of a sound mind. So I think that Paul was subtly telling Timothy, you could be a hero too. I know you're a little bit timid, but you can get through some of that anxiety, the fear factor that you might have, the worry that you might deal with, even as a leader, a shepherd of a church. He goes on then to say in chapter one, how that there's Timothy. And he says, I want you to know that God is strong and I've been afflicted, but look what I've been able to do through God's power and grace. And a little bit further, he brings up another guy named Onesiphorus. 
Now that's a big name, isn't it? Well, basically he just said, look at Onesiphorus, what he did is he found me in Ephesus and he ministered to me. He found me in Rome and I was in jail and he ministered to me and he didn't care for himself so much because he wanted to touch my life. So he got over his fear and he can be used. So with that background, Paul now is literally going to come in for the kill, we might say. He is now ready to hit head on with some words that are a little bit more commanding to Timothy. And the reason I'm bringing that to you and me today is I would like for us now to let the Spirit of God take the Word of God through Paul and pretend for a moment that we're miniature Timothys or Timothys if we're a girl, I guess, and so that God would speak to us. And I don't know, I don't care how rough and tough and hard to diaper some of you guys are and how dominant maybe some of you ladies are. I really believe that you're more like an Oreo cookie. You're kind of hard on the outside, a little mushy on the inside. And maybe you deal with some of that anxiety. And I want you to know that you could be a hero. Someone that can achieve something greater for God than what you are right now. Someone that could maybe have more godliness and the attributes of God in your life. And you don't have to fear where that's going to take you. Now, before we get into seven basic object lessons of real people, what I'd like to do is to tell you what he says first to really prepare your heart for that. If you will, look at the first part of this if you have your Bible. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 and you might find it in the verse on the top of your little sheet there. It says, you therefore, after he's already talked about Onesiphorus, so he says, just like this other guy, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now I think that's very interesting because there's some subtle stuff here. Now, moms and dads, I want you to listen for a second specifically. He's about ready to talk to his son in the faith, and he wants to give him a command. He says, I want you to be strong. That's kind of tough to hear. And so kids sometimes don't like to be commanded. So what he does first is he kind of reminds them a little bit about their relationship. You're my son. Now, when you talk to your son, they already know that it's a son. But in this particular situation, Paul is kind of warming him up. Remember, you're not just some guy out there. You're like my son, and I'm your father. We have a very unique spiritual connection. And so what I'm about to tell you, I'm telling you as if you're my son. I can almost picture Paul, in a sense, wrapping his arm around Timothy and sitting him down and saying, my son, and not my son. It's more, my son, be strong in the grace. Now, in the Greek, it says, not just be strong, grab grace. It's be strengthened and be continually strengthened by God's grace. Now, that is another series right there to teach on grace. And I don't have time to bring a lot out to you. But everything is going to be built on Timothy, his son, and that relationship that he's encouraging to be a hero. To be strengthened in grace. Not in self-motivation, not into face it like a man. It's more like, you know what, you don't have to face it like a man. Just be strengthened in grace and you'll become whatever man that God wants you to be. And so it talks about grace. And so as I did a little study on grace, let me give you a couple mountaintops. First of all, you have to be saved by grace. It's the only way you can. It's only by God's grace that it looks upon, upon us and he says, you know, there's nothing you can do that will ever make you deserving of heaven. You can do a lot of good deeds and my, I'm so glad you're doing good deeds. I'm glad you're doing help for other mankind. That will not get you to heaven. You'll never be able to do enough. Or he looks down upon some of you that might be out there doing a lot of religious good deeds, going to church, being baptized, trying to keep the commandments, stopping this sin and trying to do that sin and doing this liturgical action of worship or something. And he says, I'm glad you're trying to do all this stuff to connect with me, but that won't get you into my forever family. Why? Because you are not doing it probably with the proper heart. And for sure, you'll never do enough of it. You'll miss the mark. 
So no matter what you do, he says, the only way I can genuinely give you heaven is through my grace. And worse than that, God not only sees the good that we do, but he also sees all the rotten stuff we do. And he says, because you are so rotten, I can't let you into heaven because if I took you to heaven based on a lot of good works but some bad works, I'm going to take a polluted person into an unpolluted heaven and it'll pollute heaven. So I've got to now remake you. And I'm going to choose you to do that. You don't deserve it, you don't earn it, but I want you in my forever family. And so what Paul is reminding him is that you're going to be strengthened in this fact. Remember this, it's in the grace. Now watch this. And remember, if grace can save you, and it has, Timothy, grace can give you strength. But here's something else about grace. A lot of people that are so-called Christians, they believe I can get into heaven by God's grace. In other words, I trust Christ. So I'm graced into heaven. But watch this. Then they think they have to do good works after they're saved in order to stay in God's family or to stay going to heaven. All of a sudden what they've done is they've taken the precious, pure grace of God and they've added man's works to that. And we know all through scripture that you can't add grace and works together. If you add works to grace, you don't have grace. If you add grace to works, you don't have grace. It's got to be grace alone. So I'm saved by grace, bottom line. I am kept saved because I'll still sin after I'm saved by grace. But God, grace doesn't just get us into heaven no matter how bad we are, although that is part of it. But he says, but I don't want to leave you there. So now grace continues to act in our life and grace does this. Grace then teaches us to deny the ungodliness that's in our life as a Christian. Not so we'll go to heaven, not so we'll stay going to heaven, but so that we now can experience the fullness of God in our life before we get to heaven. So grace saves me, grace keeps me saved, but grace does a whole lot more, and I don't have time to talk about all the stuff grace teaches you, but if you want to write it in your notes, read Titus chapter 2 and read it slowly and carefully, and you will see multiple things that grace will do for the past, the present, the future, and how you're getting prepared to go to heaven how good grace is. And I'd like to tell you, grace will strengthen you, here it is, to do what God wants you to do. So it's not me trying to do it, it's God's grace that does it. Now if that is the backdrop, and Paul wraps his arm around and says, now Tim, we've been talking about this, this is my last letter essentially, and I want you to be strengthened in that grace. I'd like you to be a hero. I'd like you to be a Christian pastoral leader hero. Now, let me add one more thought. He didn't say that there, though. He didn't specifically say, I want you to be a pastoral leader. He just said to Timothy, I want you to have grace in your life. Now, why am I saying that? Listen carefully. Because sometimes we always equate grace as so that I'm going to accomplish great things and I'm going to fulfill my calling or my position. And so some of you will say, well, I'm not a pastor, so that chapter doesn't deal with me. Or I'm not going to be a Christian leader, so I don't need to go through 1 Timothy and all of that. I would like you to know that Timothy, obviously, was first a guy, a man, before he was titled the pastor. And so whatever your title is right now, I'd like you to kind of take it off your shirt, fold it up, put it in the back of your Bible, and I just want you to see yourself as a man or a woman, a young woman or a young man, listening to this message. And so whatever title that you have, it's not to be grace so you can fulfill some great role or title. It's so that you can be all that God wants you to be as a person. So don't look to the right, don't look to the left. Just say, God, I am ready to receive from you. So now what we're going to do is we're going to pick out four particular traits that Paul chose to give to Timothy under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But Paul is such a great communicator, 
He did it in a way where Timothy would be able to visually connect that kind of person. But I think it's kind of cool because when he identifies these people, it's kind of like that's what these people really are known to be like. And so we look at those people, but we look at what are the traits? What are those attributes that I can add to my life that would make me a hero? And it can start today. So let's look at number one. We're just going to look at four of them today. First one we're going to look at is a teacher, like a teacher. You can be a real hero too, like a teacher. The next verse says this, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So what's a good teacher like? Sharing truth for future generations. You now can embrace the fact that God is giving you truth. You're getting truth today. If you had no other truth in your life, at least you're getting truth today. But I have to believe, and you do too, that this truth you're getting today is building upon last week's truth. It's built upon truth you got during the middle of the week. So you've got truth. But a teacher now just doesn't inhale truth for themselves. A teacher then says, my truth that I've received, I now need to impart to others for future generations. Now, if you will, take your pen very carefully because I want to pick out some stuff here because if you're going to be a hero, you have to say, whatever I've been given of knowledge and truth, I need to be committed to own it. I need to believe it. I need to make sure it's correct. I need to have ownership of it, that I'm living it in my life, that it becomes me. It's, it's what I believe. I'm passionate about this. And generally, you will be a lit candle now that can light other candles. And so if that's the case... Now let's now pass it to the next generation. So here's we go. Go through the verse. It says, and the things that you've heard from me. Circle or underline the letter S in the word things, which means that you don't want to ride a hobby horse of one truth, that God is now giving you a whole bunch of verses, a whole bunch of biblical truths, a whole bunch of truths of life, and you now want to take that and you want to put it into a particular package that you can share it with others. So it's not just one thing. So you look at your life, and I'm going to tell you that you can paint a much broader stroke than you have now. God has given you a lot. So the things that you have heard, many things you want to get ready to give to the next generation. Then it says that you have heard from me among many witnesses. I'd like you now to underline the phrase among many witnesses. Well, the reason I want you to underline that or mark that is because I want you to know that you need to have more than one teacher in your life, male or female. You need to have spiritual teachers. But I ought not to be the only Bible teacher in your life. I don't think I am, but I hope I'm not for some of you, that you found some good, solid men and women that can impart godly truths to you as well. And so that you're doing more than just coming on Sunday morning, that you're getting some good CDs and listening to them, and you're very careful on Christian radio because there's a lot of stuff out there you want to be careful of. And if you're not sure what are good teachers, talk to some of those that are on the pastoral leadership team. Not that we know it all. There may be others in the church, but... We're committed to that, but we want to teach you, but it's among many witnesses. Then it says here, commit these, these what? goes back to things, the truths, all the things that you have. So you learn a lot of stuff. Now you share a lot of stuff, a lot of truths, these, to faithful men. Now you need to circle the word commit now because some people, um, I don't know that you understand. A teacher now has got to do more than just talk. Uh, you've, you've heard this phrase, those of you who are in education. A, a, a teacher hasn't taught until a student has learned. Have you ever heard that before? How many have heard that phrase? Would you raise your hand? A teacher hasn't taught until a student has learned. I, I agree with that, but if you don't mind, I'd like to take it one more step, and maybe it's more pastoral with me because I want people not only to know stuff because I, I feel like there's a lot of head knowledge going on out there, but I think a teacher really hasn't taught until a student has applied the truth. And the truth's got to be accurate. The application has got to be correct and applicable. 
but it's not enough just so it goes from the teacher's notebook to the student's notebook. It's got to go from the teacher's life notebook, however it is, all that teaching, and given to another student, but carefully working with that student, mentoring that generation. So they have ownership. Watch this. So much ownership of it that they know it confidently, that they know that they can't just keep it and hide it, that they've got to share it with others. So the word commit means like you're depositing that truth in something that's going to hold on to it, to protect it, to keep it from air, and then also to share it with others. And then go on in here, it says, and we'll be able to teach others also. So here's how you as a teacher are. First of all, you have to say, I need to learn. I want to be a hero. So I've got to put myself underneath the, the teaching. I want to learn. I want to get this stuff. And then you want to say, okay, but I don't want to just keep it. I want to give it to another generation. So to do it, I've got to find a way to get it into their mind and into their life. But I also have to know that it's got to go beyond them. It's got to go to the next generation, which would be my grandkids and maybe my grand, great-grandkids. But I've got to find faithful people that want to know this. And so all of a sudden, I'm really working for other people, and I get passionate about it. Now, you see how you can be a hero and never have to rescue someone from a burning building? Can you see that you can be a hero and never step in front of a bullet? You can be a hero right where you are when you're passionate about truth and you want to impart it to someone else. I'm going to share two testimonies today that I have permission to share with you. On Wednesday night, we have what is known as something more around here. It starts at 7, ends about 8.30, quarter to 9. First 30 minutes, we all meet in here. We praise the Lord. We share. We pass the microphone around. We're just giving God glory. Then we break up. The women go to a, cl a class with Carol called Way. They sit around a big table and eat and talk and share and cry and pray and laugh and study God's word. And, and I'm not even there. I'm just on the other side of the wall. Then we have another group of guys we meet called lifeguards. And then there's another group that's praying very faithfully for an hour, just praying for you, for the church, for our missionaries. This last week, at the end, generally how I end our session is we go around the room and uh, I ask each guy to tell me, what are you taking home from what you're getting today? I'm amazed at what I heard. One of the newer guys that has just come into this study with us, which I'm so excited, I'm excited about everybody, but this guy I'm really watching and he's taking, you know, big steps for God, you know, things are happening. He now comes along, articulates incredibly well, and he says, no guile in him, very serious guy, very serious guy, he says, I've been uh, hanging around some of my guys from high school that we went to high school with, and we we're all kind of lamenting the fact that when we were in high school, we really didn't apply ourselves very much. We didn't pay attention a lot, and now we're like in our 20s, upper 20s, and we look back over that and we think, man, if we only uh, listened and paid attention and grabbed that truth when we were in high school and lived it till the way age we are right now, I, how different our life would be today. And then he says, and that's why I'm here. Because I don't want to say 10 years from now that I wish I applied myself here tonight. So he's grabbing it. And I got thinking, what a commentary on our life that we would now all say. I don't want to waste the Bible teaching we get on Sunday. I don't want to waste the Bible times we get together in connection groups. I want to, I want to get it. I want to get it so much. I want to be so excited about this because it's truth. It's life-giving. It's... I'm knowing God like I've never known Him before. But I know Him so much now, I'm so excited, it makes me want to give it to the next generation. That's how you can be a hero. Without ever having the title of teacher, you just are an imparter of knowledge and truth. All right, let's look at the second one. So here he is again talking to his dear son in the faith. Be strengthened in the grace. And like a teacher, you can be a hero teaching truth for future generations. The second one is like a soldier. 
Boy, it goes right from the teacher, safety of a classroom to the danger of a battlefield. A soldier separated from the lifestyle of the world. So how can we be a hero like a soldier? Now, it didn't say a captain, a general, a commander, or anything like that. It just said a soldier. So let's look at the verse. It says, you therefore, as a hero, must endure hardships. I like that phrase, therefore. So a teacher then can be like a soldier, and a soldier could be like a teacher. Must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. That he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. What a rich passage of scripture. So if you want to be a hero, then you need to know what is your responsibility in life and make sure that you are doing it. And in this case, he's reminding Timothy, you know what you are, Timothy? You are a Christian first that is called to build God's kingdom, in a sense, partner with God, build his kingdom until he comes. And so that's his calling. So to do all of that, basically he's saying this, watch this. Don't be so distracted with the things of this life that you lose focus, drains you of energy, causes you to get discouraged or whatever else might happen, and most of all, hinders you from pleasing the one who called you, your commander-in-chief. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.